Welcome to the Masters in Motion podcast. Join us as we jump into the world of CrossFit and celebrate the strength, resilience, and determination of Masters athletes. Pat Sherwood is one of the original OGs in the CrossFit world. I remember watching a video, really old video, with Greg Glassman talking to a group around a table like in a conference room and they were just like Dave Castro and Pat Sherwood. These are all just babies. So, so many years ago, Pat served for a long time on seminar staff. He, he can also be found in some of the CrossFit documentaries. He also commentates for the Rogue Invitational. He's done a ton of stuff. He's well-spoken and super humorous. I hope you enjoyed this episode as we did. Thanks, Pat, for coming on. Let's jump in. Here with Pat Sherwood and, of course, Rick Stevenson. We're stoked to have you, Pat. Uh, thanks for jumping on with us, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, it's it's really great to talk to you. Um, I I can say uh, I've been in the game for a long time, as has Jason. Uh, highlight is watching the uh, Zone Chronicles. I think uh, I couldn't Ooh, wait yeah, till a new one was released back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, and uh, you know, we we do want to rewind it a little bit further back and get a little bit of from uh, where you started and where you came from. Uh, but uh, I would be remiss to ask. Uh, what did your mom say to you when um, she or did she see the one of you going through the house in the kitchen, in her kitchen, and then into her basement? Did you ever catch any any flack for that? She has never seen it to this day. We need a little more bread. Yeah, got away clean. Hey, there's no shortage of bread in an Italian household. <laughs> Excellent. Zone Chronicles. For people that have not seen a lot of those, they're still out there. Um, they were a uh, staple on, in the, on the Cross the Journal site, and it was a little look. I, I know you did a lot of traveling with seminar staff, yeah. and uh, it was a great way to, to, to Yeah, those are like the Blair Witch projects back then. I don't even think the cell phones had that great cameras, you know? <laughs> it did. Uh, well, can you give us a little bit of a, a background on Pat? Um, where you're from, uh, and maybe what led you uh, to I, uh, college and then the Navy, right? Yep. And then how your journey landed you eventually at HQ. I guess the the short response would be um, grew up in Massachusetts and just kind of knew I wanted to go in the military, not for any particular reason, didn't have anybody pressuring me to do it. Um, sophomore year in high school, I just started researching, you know, pre-internet, started reading books and researching uh, all the different branches because I didn't really have any particular allegiance to any one. And then uh, when I did that, started learning about like special operations communities of different branches, started going down that rabbit hole. And then just went after I read them all, the one for the Navy seemed like it was the toughest from what I could tell. And so I was like, well, I guess I should probably try that route. Like, why not? If you're going to try something, try that one. <laughs> so I started training for that around my sophomore year in, in high school, just um, just doing whatever I could do to try to learn about buzz, learn about SEAL training, and hopefully prepare. Went to college with that uh, in mind. Went through college, barely graduated. Got a um, got a slot to go out to Coronado, go to Buds. Mm -hmm. Went to Buds, made it through, and did that for about maybe about seven years. Got a pretty bad injury while I was in there. I broke my pelvis. I got plates and screws mm -hmm. back together, and that kind of changed the trajectory of my life and career just from that standpoint i was i could do most of the stuff that i needed to do but it was also profoundly painful and um it just was obvious that i might have to think about something else to do so which was odd because i never thought i would that was going to be my my lifetime career you're gonna pull your 20 years and uh yeah retirement right this yeah. is the time you know but hey you know Mm -hmm. Life has little regard for your plans, as we probably all could attest to. <laughs> so uh, uh, get out of that, 
bounced around doing some other stuff for a while. And then around 2005, a guy that I went through buds with and was at uh, SEAL Team 4 with me, Dave Castro, he had dab- was dabbling in CrossFit on the West Coast as in the East Coast. And he's like, you got to try this stuff. And in, in August 2005, I gave it a whirl. And first workout was Murph which everyone always like is shocked at, but it, it literally looked really easy, quite frankly. I mean, like it, it yeah. floored me, but based on what we did in the military, we ran all the time. It's like two mm-hmm. one mile runs, even with body armor was like, a, that was like nothing. And we did so many pull-ups. It was ridiculous. And so many push-ups. Were, the only thing I didn't have any exposure to was squatting, but I was like, gotcha. Yeah. It can't be that hard, but I've never done all of it together. Like it's, you know, classic, mm-hmm. like mixed modality wasn't my world. You just went for a run then you just did grinder PT when it was all smashed together, even though it was three out of four elements that I was profoundly familiar with, it decimated me. Like I'd never worked out in my life. And that was quite a slice of humble pie, especially coming from the community that I came from, where I was like, right. I know that I'm in really good shape compared to the world. Like I know that I am. And this this murdered me. And in my simple reptilian brain, I was like, if there's something out there that's this and other people are good at it, like that's unacceptable. Like I need to be good at this too. Like it was literally that simple of a decision for me. And then again, Dave was on the West Coast getting kind of more involved with Cross and HQ. And they were in their very infancy stages, growing the seminar staff, starting to travel. And when they'd come out to the East Coast, I'd volunteer and help out, take out the trash, get coach coffee and all that kind of stuff. And just didn't screw up that bad. So little by little started getting more responsibility until it became my full-time gig. So yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, I think it was, you know, I was in the East Coast and they were just starting to get wow. ramped up, building a staff. And whenever they'd hop out to the East Coast, I'd volunteer at a seminar, get, you know, Greg coffee and take out the trash. And little by little, got a lecture here. Hey, run a group here. Didn't screw it up. So get a little more responsibility. And little by little, it kind of became my full-time gig for like a little bit over a decade. They just, you know, never planned on it. Well, I think I was lucky that back in the day, being on staff early, they didn't have as much of an organized manual as you did now. So you had a lot more freedom to probably mess up and try it. Like, I mean, there'd be weekends where I'd give every lecture different every weekend. I'd cover all the main points and get all the critical information across, but I would try to find a different way to do it and see what resonated or what didn't resonate, make a note of that, and, you know, keep what, keep what works, eliminate what doesn't. And it was just a had a lot of freedom to do that until like kind of settled on best practices. But it was a lot of um, a lot of reps and probably a lot of lectures that didn't quite land where I wanted them to. But people got how did that. that? How did you evolve um, from that into you? You ended up doing some uh, some work in commentating in you know being on on TV or on the broadcast, which is where you know I joined a little bit later in the game, about 2013, 2014. and that's where I started to pick up on this guy. Watching the Froning film, I see Pat Sherwood cracking jokes, and that's some of the best lines in some of those films are seemingly outtakes where you just throw something out there. Like the guy doesn't eat. He doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. And those are really fun, memorable lines, man. But but you switched into that. You did some of that as well. What was that like? You know, that was that was interesting. And it's it's quite bizarre, honestly, because um, I would not prefer to be in front of a large group. As funny as that is, like it's not a, uh, a location that I seek out. I think I'm, I'm far more introverted than extroverted, to be honest with you. Like, um, but I somehow find myself like talking to the crowd, which is such ironic. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and then... We switched over to media because after a couple hundred, I traveled a lot for the military, you know, just living mm-hmm. out of a suitcase and then got on seminar staff and you're gone 50 weekends a year and yeah, you're in a different city or country. Crazy travel. You know, crazy travel. I mean, there was a, a couple year period where, you know, I had never been at home for two consecutive weeks and like 
two years. Wow. You know, like that's the other side of like, oh, traveling must be really cool. And you're like, it is for a bit, but there's a grind to it that it just, it is what it is. And yeah. again, there was, there was high highs to it also. But after about 200 seminars like that, like four continuous years, I think I was just re reaching burnout. And I just, you know, had a conversation like, look, I, I can feel it coming. I'm not there yet. But if I, if I get burned out, like that's not going to be good for me. It's not going to be mm -hmm. good for the participants, the audience. Like it's a, it's a lose, lose situation. But at, the company was still at a point where like they didn't have a lot of other opportunities. It was like, we don't know what else you, you can do, but they yeah. were starting to get into the media role. And so since I had just, you know, put a low budget phone in my face and like eating a sandwich every now and then for the zone chronicles are like well you've got media experience i guess so you're, like, you're a media professional yeah. as far as we're concerned so just through total dumb luck they they needed uh somebody to talk and knew about what the mm -hmm. methodology was and that was it, it was just timing it was nothing more than just mm -hmm. threw my hat in the ring and somebody said yeah all right let's give this a whirl games update show yeah yeah, yeah. i mean from that to the commenting at the games and all that stuff like it's just um it was a one heck of a wild ride uh i i do want to rewind i don't want to gloss over uh the fact that uh you were a games athlete um yeah, back I at guess so, yeah. back at the ranch and for kind the, of kind of well it, there i i did a little digging and i don't want people to uh uh, uh leave this without knowing that uh your finish in 2009 you actually finished higher than Ben Smith. So it's my only <laughs> there, there you go. So, Since then, our trajectories have gone somewhere different. Hey, point in time. That's right. <laughs> right up there. I think the only no. thing that saved my biscuits on that one between me and Ben is was that we had that miserable trail run. I could just run from mm. my previous life. I think that was about what saved me. Jason and I talk about, uh, uh, we'd love to have some something with the master's community somehow back at the ranch, some way, shape or form. Mm. If Dave would ever agree to uh have something back there and and some of those things just look so gnarly and nasty and then everybody got a much better close-up look at the 2020 games when it was no music and a lot of better lot better coverage with the drone and you, you really saw elevation changes and you know, it looks it looks awful completely awful yeah I mean, definitely it's you know iconic you know iconic where it all starts. there's definitely a lot of history there so yeah you're um but you're 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 able to you believe in the methodology you teach the methodology and 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 you you know eat your own cooking um as an athlete but you're dealing with uh with chronic chronic pain right is that that right from the from the hip at that yeah point? i mean it's it's better i mean at at that point in time yeah. prior to yeah. yeah and and it 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 got you know, shocking it got worse as the years went on which is mm -hmm. kind of the nature of it right i mean you've got your cartilage you know around like the hip capsule with your you know head of your femur and the pelvic wall you know that just over the course of time and rep starts to go away until it doesn't exist you know arthritis increases i mean so it was like this gradual you know the ocean mm -hmm. washing away kind of a deal you know it wasn't any one particular wave you just put it you check in a decade later and you're like hmm lost a lot of shoreline here <laughs> you know so it's kind of uh but it's also interesting that when you do live with something like that each day since it is gradual and incremental you just continually kind of get used to it mm -hmm. you know it didn't suddenly become onset level 10 pain but when it's just you know a drop a drop a drop you're kind of like well this is just what things feel like or this is how long it takes to warm up or this is just you know this is just what it's normal even though it's not normal it just becomes your normal and then you just you work around learn yeah. hot and dead and jump and run and it is what it is you know that all sounds super familiar to things i deal with like yeah it is like yeah warm-ups get a little bit more intense this pain is just the drip drip is a good point like i got a little thing with my hip that just it just nags a little bit 
and uh, definitely requires mm -hmm. that bigger a bigger warm up. Um, I think one thing I like about I know that goes back in history, but even up until now, I've been following you for years online, and uh, you know you are a programmer of. CrossFit Lynchpin, which I did follow the Monster Mash stuff like ages ago, like the Monday Monster oh, stuff. God bless you. Uh, it was too it was too much for me. I was doing too much work yeah, at the time. Oh. It was too old for that. <laughs> but uh, you're also very transparent about you know you program a workout, but you also share how you scaled it, uh, which I think is really oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, you know, I don't program for me. You know, if we did, you'd never see a handstand push up. I can tell you that much. <laughs> you'd never see fill in the blank, you know, so I don't, you know, so I, I program what, you know, I believe is going to work, like just, a, you know, following an athlete that I've been programming for for a long time, this, you know, athlete that's in my head, and what they need to do is what they need to do. And um, a lot of times I get to scale what that is. And I think um, more people should probably scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? They're not yep. too many just RX heroes out there just to say that they did it and they're just flogging themselves just to, I guess, say that they didn't have to check scale or modified. And I think that's a, it's a rent check that will become due at some time in the future. And it's not a very good prescription for long-term health and fitness. And, and I was that, you know, I was that guy for a long, long time. You know, the old ego is powerful and looking cool in front of your friends is powerful and, you know, and the weight in the bar and, and you just don't ever think that you're going to be a certain age. You don't ever think your knees back and shoulders are going to feel a certain way you're the unique different person that the yeah. rules of life are just not going to apply to and it's just one day you realize that you are not unique and special <laughs> in that regard yeah, father time is undefeated <laughs> those decisions all those decisions they catch right on yeah. up with it so if i can hopefully get that into people's heads earlier than it got into my head that would be really really cool yeah. because after after your time with uh hq you really dove into uh, linchpin even more is that is that correct in in saying that and yeah Lynch, into the very Lynch not random family as well yep and, uh, and it did really just give me un limitless opportunity to to dive into lynch which was fantastic and and awesome and um kind of everything that i was doing beforehand but it, it was able to get like there was no other distractions in the world you know and mm -hmm. so it was really uh just a pretty cool opportunity to take a step back make sure that i was doing everything like really how i truly if I had mm -hmm. all my wishes fulfilled, the world would do it with time and attention and detail. And and yeah, it's a it's a labor of love. I, I like your um, I think for lack of a better term, that 30 second elevator pitch whenever you're describing um, uh, linchpin, uh, you know, the you know, we're going to you know, it, it's not going to take an inordinate amount of time. It's going to give you a great workout. You're going to um, uh, you're going to become incredibly fit if you you know, are consistent and I, you know, I'm messing it up entirely, but the, the way you pitch that, um, I think it has roots in the, in the methodology of the programming that you, that you believe so, so much in. And if you can, um, expound upon that a little bit, you're, uh, because you have the time now for that, what are you trying, you know, end goal or how, how has, uh, you know, working with Lynch, working, you know, programming Lynchpin helped you mm -hmm. achieve what you want to achieve you know it's it's a it's evolved from where it started i mean first of all i didn't have any plans when it started mm -hmm. there was no i didn't plan for it to be what it is now by any stretch of the imagination it was just it all this all kind of came from actually you know the linchpin community requesting and asking things to be added and built on like none of the things were my idea like mm -hmm. any of them and uh and btwb had a lot of great ideas to help me with but i, I mean I, none of the good ideas were mine to be quite honest with you i just I, if something sounded good it's like 
that's a good idea. I should probably do that. Um, and, you know, it's just built on classic CrossFit, but not really is kind okay. of how I would say it. Um, it's classic CrossFit in the fact that, that I think, you know, the methodology works better than anything else I've seen out there for somebody who wants to be, you know, GBP is their thing, general physical right. preparedness, well-rounded fitness. Um, and you don't want to live in the gym and you want to be fit, fast and strong. You know, and you're not just a dedicated power lifter, not just a dedicated Olympic lifter, you're not just a runner, et cetera, et cetera. You know what we all know, um, kind of ready for anything where, so that, that classic stuff, like, you know, respecting the heavy days, um, you know, no heavy lift plus Metcon every day. I think regular humans can do, it's tough enough to do one thing extraordinarily well each day. You're not going to do two things extraordinarily well. Um, you know, respecting intensity, but you know, some of the changes I would say, or just evolutions in my mind of, of like the classic methodology, which is, is all Lynchman's all steeped in that is, you know, like we're big proponents of at least once a week, I put in a not for time workout, which mm -hmm. is quintessential cross it is for time. That's right. Quintessential credit. The, the stopwatch, the measurable and all this. Yep. And as some who's given a couple hundred like lectures like I, I fully understand the benefits of that and I fully understand after 20 years how many people got burnt out you know like there's two and it doesn't matter how effective it is if they stop doing it you know so there's some there's some point of like this stuff works strength conditioning is actually really easy people are hard so how do we find what works mm -hmm. and what works really well and what's the almost like the minimum effective dose you know that that is going to keep somebody making gradual continual sustainable progress mm -hmm. not if you, if you give them too little they're not going to advance because you have to stress the system if you give them too much they crash and burn mentally physically emotionally right. one of those things and then they're out anyway so that little sweet spot and that clock is wonderful as it is um it's really cool for year two or three or four or ten or something like that and but, but some people have been around for a really long time and have maybe i don't know they've done helen 15 times Oof. and you'd know you're never going to hit your lifetime PR on Helen ever again. <laughs> and if you can't wrap your psychology around mm -hmm. the fact that that doesn't mean that you're a failure, mm -hmm. that means that you're 18 years older and you're 50 years old now instead of 32. Mm -hmm. And you're still a beast, but that clock eats away at your soul and makes you feel terrible. And now you don't want to walk into the gym any day. Then just go try really hard on Helen and don't run the darn clock. You you're going to get really, really fit. You know what I mean? Like at a certain point in your life, trying to PR your lifetime one rep max deadlift is not a good idea. <laughs> you just probably want to lift what feels appropriate, appropriate. challenging, stressful on that day. And you know what? You'll be a beast, you know? So there's this fine line to walk, but every now and then, like you still have to track your data. So like trying to find the sweet spot with people of the workouts, then modulating intensity, because you can't right. burn it down with high intensity every day unless you're a cyborg. Like that, that's mm -hmm. that wall you will run into at some point in time. If you're a beast, it'll be 10 years, but I'll see you eventually because you will hit that brick wall. Yep. And you're going to learn that you're going to have to work in low intensity days and moderate intensity days. And in doing that, that actually allows you to feel physically and mentally prepared to bring it for a high intensity day of your choosing. Cause you're like, I feel good. Let's get after today. We're going to do yeah. this. And like, can't do that every single solitary day in your forties. You can't, yeah. it's not going to work. It's not going to go very well. Right. <laughs> you know, that's not classic CrossFit either. Like the benefit of low and moderate intensity days that's, that's never been discussed. So like, I believe in the methodology 
the core tenets of the methodology, because I don't believe there's anything better out there in the world. But I think also when it first came around, you know, and Glass would even say himself, uh, when somebody would ask about high intensity, like high intensity every day, and he, God bless him, he's very honest. I heard him say to the audience, you know, I'll paraphrase it or butcher it, but something along the lines of, all of you are involved in the largest high intensity training experiment ever conducted on the planet. Yeah. That is not in you. I mean, that's an honest, that's a God's honest yeah. truth right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, now here we are in 2024, and maybe each person has a different opinion, but I'm here to tell you, I've got my opinion, and it's not high intensity every day. Right. Yep. CrossFit has evolved. Uh, yeah. That, well, and kind of along those lines, um, do you still keep in contact? And, and of course, no names or anything. Do you still keep in contact with a lot of the people that you were on staff with? or from HQ that you worked with. And, and you know, you've, you've got some very defined thoughts on what works for people. Do you think that others who have been there from the beginning or at the start kind of still share that? Or because everybody's kind of gone their own way, uh, you know, as, it, as, it, as, it, as the sport has matured or the training has matured? You know, it's a good question. Um, you know, it would probably depend upon who you talk to and, right. you know, their their role and position and whatnot. Um, you'd have to ask them. It's probably my best answer I can give okay. you on that. You'll have to, you'd have to ask them. Okay, that's fair enough. With the sport evolving, let's, let's go in that direction. I, I, I think that was a segue, this idea of that CrossFit has evolved over the past 15, 20 years. Um, you know, the, the sport of CrossFit is evolving as well. And you do still participate in some media pieces. We get to see you every once in a while. I think we saw you um, in on the media at the Rogue Invitational, and you know that's oh, just yeah, yeah. These are these are. I mean, it's really they're funny gems. how they're <laughs> gems, dude. You, we really are starving for more Sherwood um, in front of a in front of a screen, which is just. I know that sounds silly, but really, I know that Rick and I a good time. we get giddy about this stuff. Um, but uh, what do you what, you know? What are your thoughts on? on the future of CrossFit and, and where it's the sport, again, just the sport, the elite yeah. side of things, um, you know, and, and I want to keep it general. And then maybe we could talk about the specifics of splitting uh, into the age groups, adaptive um, and individuals, teams, all, how all that's going down. But what, what has been your thoughts as it's progressed over the years and then, and then maybe into the current situation? So I think what would shock people and I'll answer your question is, is I'm far more out of touch with the sports side than people realize, okay. like far more out of touch. Um, as a matter of fact, I would think right now, I'm trying to think, um, I know that I can remember if I think hard who won the games this year, but I'm actually at a loss. It wasn't Medeiros, right? No, nope. correct. He didn't compete, right? Did he? No, he did. He did. No, he did. He didn't do well. Yeah. He didn't do well. Yeah. Um, it's what two of the last three years. Uh, the, the Canadian gentleman, won. Um, Mr. Adler, Adler, Jeff yeah, Adler, Jeff Adler. Adler. Yeah, who's uh, a beast. Um, that's how that's in my level of tuned in right there. Okay. Um, so you know, I I I didn't uh, watch any of the games this year. Didn't watch a single event. I uh, was just busy with life and kids mm-hmm. and, and the baby and whatnot. And then like after it was all over, I I saw the leaderboard on Instagram and I went, oh, interesting. That's yeah. it. Um, but when I do see something from them, you know, and then I went to the Rogue Invitational and obviously before I did that, I had to play a whole lot of catch up to make sure I knew what the heck I was talking about and all that stuff. Um, and then I get to sit down, you know, and 
I'm there for the week, you know, and, and the family's back here and take it all in. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, that's that's my short answer is if you just look at what athletes, what the human body is capable of and how far the sport has advanced in a relatively short period of time. I mean, the loads that are lifted right now, um, the times that are run on short, medium or long distance, whatever it happens to be, the volume of work that these athletes can endure and continue to perform high skill, complicated movements under duress and fatigue would have been science fiction 15 years mm -hmm. ago. People would have thought yep. you were out of your mind and that one athlete couldn't have that broad range, be that strong, yet still do a 5k in that time, like impossible. And now, I mean, not only, not only possible, but like, you know, the athletes that are in the last heat, like the slowest, least competitive heat would be considered superhuman freaks 12 years ago. And they're right. miles from the podium, mm -hmm. miles from just on earth. And they're androids, you know, compared to what we've seen before. So it's, it, it blows my mind when I do see what they are doing, the loads that they're lifting, how fast and, and just capable they are. It would have, I would have lost money betting on it when the for full M and the uh, sport first kind of was getting its yep. legs under itself years ago. Hmm. Uh, Dave, uh, I, I try to catch up on Dave's regular week in review podcast. And I think he had a question this week of, you know, thoughts of bringing back some events that, you know, again, were, were done years ago. And, and he had to refresh that uh, viewer and say, yes, we've done that a number of times. We've pulled events that we did at the ranch and either beefed them mm -hmm. up or uh, uh, done a, a, a same one just to see how fast the time was compared to that. I think sure. if you pulled um, any, and if you did that more often, the results would be eye-opening um, now oh, yeah. with what they can do. But again, this is, this, these are the athletes now, and back to your point about hitting the brick wall, um, we haven't seen this group that is in the elite category now have this extended 10 plus years for just about every athlete. So time catch, time will catch up to them, even if they're what they're doing at this stage. Oh, yeah, it yeah. won't go well for them. It's yeah. not the future is not going to go well for their knees, back and shoulders. It just it is what yeah. it is. I mean, that's there's a lot of pain in their future. Um, and if you talk to any of the games athletes that are like open and honest about that, right. that's not a lie. They'll tell you the surgeries that they've had. They've yeah. all got a laundry list, you know, and of what they're dealing with and this tear here and this hurt here. And uh, and, and that's but that's not. And like that line shouldn't be taken as a uh, throwing of stone at the game. That's no. just professional sports. Correct. Correct. Your favorite major league baseball player, football player, soccer player, basketball player that's been in a sport for five or 10 years. And they're going to tell you all the things that have, that they've paid for, for that life with their body. Like it just, yeah. there's a huge difference between CrossFit just happens to be no different. There's a big difference between being a recreational basketball player mm -hmm. and a professional basketball player. Mm -hmm. If you're a recreational CrossFitter, you should not be walking around in chronic pain and you Good should point. not be rolling the dice with your knees, back and shoulders to get one more kilo on your snatch. Mm -hmm. That's not worth it. If you are at the margins and tip of the spear and a yep. kilo is seven places on the leaderboard and 50,000 more dollars in the prize purse and 20 more sponsors and you're paying your mortgage, that's an entirely different world. Mm -hmm. You know, so just, it's just, and it's a different decision tree and it's a different everything. And I remember talking to Dan Bailey, who's, you know, having surgeries up to like two years ago mm -hmm. and in. And after he tells you all the surgeries, he will also, in the next breath, utter, it was worth every second, and I would do it all over again if I had yep. to do it all the exact There's same. There's the mindset. It's just a choice. Yep. 
Yep. I would not give up being a SEAL. If you told me, hey, you're going to do that, but you're going to break your pelvis and live in chronic pain for the rest of your life, I'd be like, the choice is still the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easiest choice you've ever given me in my life. Yes, let's do it. There's just certain, you know, if you're not going to live a normal life, things happen. Yeah. And that's just, it is what it's going to stay on. That was glorious. <laughs> I mean, that's just great right there. Say, we're we're going to stay doing what we're doing. And, and yeah, we'll pay the piper down the road. Uh, yeah. Can I can I turn away from uh, uh, the training side and and ask maybe a little bit lighter of a question? But um, we touched on Zone Chronicles in the in the beginning. How does Pat Sherwood eat today? I think that's a, you know are you an eighty uh, twenty? Because we know your love well. of ice cream probably hasn't gone away. You know I eat generally well just because yeah. I don't have great genes. Italians by their very nature are not just you know ripped <laughs> individuals. You know there's there's a lot of you know. Uh, excessive carbohydrate and insulin resistance. And so, um, and I'm also closer to 50 than I am to 40, I'm 48, you know, so, you know, things need to, I need to pay attention to things. It just, it is what it is, but I generally eat well. I'm certainly not paleo. Uh, I don't weigh and measure what I eat. Um, but I did for a lot of years and I might re zero it now and then, but for like, for example, what I ate today was pretty common. This morning I had two eggs and like a cup of egg whites Mm -hmm. and mixed together. Um, and then I had two bananas and a glass of water. Like that's my breakfast. That's added two cups of coffee. Yeah. But that's, that's a pretty standard right. breakfast, to be honest. For lunch, I had um, from Costco, I get these like uh, chicken strips, just like baked chicken strips. There's nothing on them. They're just, they're just chicken strips. And I've got this like avocado mayo. So it's just made of like avocados and maybe some egg egg yolks or whites or something like mm-hmm. that. But that's it. There's no, like There's no actual like mayo crap in it. It's just avocado Good. mayo. And I had an apple with that and more water. And then... That was lunch. And then I had a protein shake after my workout just because it tastes good. I don't think it actually does anything for my physical fitness. It's cinnamon roll flavor. It's absolutely delicious. And I had that after my uh, workout. And then for dinner, we had chicken pot pie. Oh, mm, that's how thick. And it was, and, it was, and I, I cut it with a generous hand. <laughs> and that was, okay. and that's, that's pretty typical. Like you know, breakfast is really controlled like that. Mm-hmm. Lunch is really controlled. And then we sit down for a family as a dinner. And when whatever is made for dinner, I have for dinner. Yeah. And that's um, life. That's good. And there's no, and it's you know, and if there's, and if it's spaghetti with garlic bread, I'm I'm having the spaghetti and I'm having the garlic bread, you know, and and then about once a week, I allow myself you have to have a you know a treat where it's ice cream or cake or cookies or whatever it is, and I, when I do that, I probably consume more than I need to in that particular uh, event, yep. but it. But it must be at a ratio that overall works well because generally speaking, you know, happy with performance, happy with recovery, happy with how I feel, yeah. happy with body composition. Yeah. And and I've been doing it long enough to know like um I, you know, I probably could be leaner. I'm sure that I could, but I also know what's entailed with that. And the degradation to my overall quality of life to be a little bit leaner is yeah, not worth it. it. Right. And so I found a good balance where I'm generally happy uh, overall and it it works, but it took a while to get there. I mean, there was a lot of just trial and error, Mm -hmm. you know, with with nutrition and schedules and all that stuff. No, no doubt about that. Yeah, I I would imagine over those years of the travel that you did, how challenging it was to eat. Um, It was. I I mean, between airports and eating out. I mean, you know, we generally are creatures of habit. We like to eat at home or or if you follow something and you can kind of control what you're eating, but then put yourself in that situation where you're on the road all the time. You just got there. There was a lot of eyeballing and it was very, it was also very eye-opening to 
I mean, because yeah, hotel breakfast, just just whatever, you know, mm-hmm. flight got delayed, you're running through the airport, you're not going to eat, you're flying to Germany, mm-hmm. and you're whatever you can get at the snack store, that's what you're going to eat, you know, and so you get a package of beef jerky and water and something like you just make these decisions that's far from ideal. It's got like two weeks worth of sodium in it. Like I get that, <laughs> but it's also far better than me. I don't know, getting, you know, something else. like it's all these trade-offs, like everything's just a trade-off and yep. you got pretty darn good at realizing um, that if you generally, generally speaking, not perfection, but if you made more good choices than bad choices, the overwhelming majority of the time, not perfect choices, mm-hmm. but you, you know, between you get two choices, even on the menu and you're dying, you're like, oh, I would love to get this big juicy cheeseburger here. But I'm all, but I, they also have this like chicken marsala, which I'm sure since it's in a restaurant is like laced in butter and probably has way more calories than I've ever made. I get it, but it's a better choice than this other thing. Okay, right. so I'll do the better choice. And if like, if most of the time you have the discipline to make that better choice, you're actually doing pretty well. Right. And if, if you're going to make that better choice, a greater percentage of time. Yeah, no one's yep. 100% perfect. So no. mm-hmm. it, I think no. it drives you nuts if you try to be. Um, I've heard, I've heard. Not you, sustainable for me. Uh, I've heard you say how uh, just getting a workout in is good for your mental health. It, it doesn't have to be long, complex, or involved. Um, and I, I think a lot of us will agree that if you're not moving, if, if you're forced not to move in a day, we could be grumpy individuals. And I think you'll find many more people in the community like you than are not. So that's something that you just, it's, you have found that's what works for you. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a lot of vices, you know, don't Mm -hmm. smoke, don't drink, don't do hallucinogenics. I mean, I just, you know, I got, I've got very few outlets in this world. And so getting into the gym and just moving, getting after it. Yeah. Moving. I find it to be therapeutic. I mean, you know, I'm human. I like, to, I, you know, I like to do well. I like to have a good load on the bar and all that stuff. But I mean, almost like regardless of what the load is, regardless of what it is, like just moving. And that it's always tough to get into the gym. Like, believe it or not, I don't enjoy working out. Hmm. Find no joy in it. Okay. Don't like it, quite frankly. <laughs> um, I don't like eating healthy either. I prefer Dairy Queen blizzards. They're way more fun to eat than lean chicken breast. Way more fun to eat. I mean, right. carrot cakes way better than like yeah. whatever. Um, but I, I also have the discipline and right. I understand a delayed gratification. And I understand that a lot of things in the world, which may not be fun in the moment, yield benefits that far outweigh whatever it happens to be. And therefore it's worth it. And so, you know, while I may not enjoy death by thrusters or something like that, you know, I understand or six by 400 meter repeats on the track. Like I understand what people who have the discipline to do that sort of stuff, what they become regarding capacity. And that to me makes it worth it to walk out there to warm up and to do the darn thrusters or to get out there to get to the track and do those runs which nobody enjoys and and Mm -hmm. same thing with the meal choices and all that like um you know the couch is really comfy you know and netflix is really cool and it's and it's far more enjoyable to do that than you know do a 10 rep front squat but if you understand where and the couch leads to after two decades right. and where squatting leads to after two decades. And you go, okay, let's do this. Let's do the set of 10. Get yeah, out, get I mean, out from the garage and get it done. That's the daily grind, man. Which everybody, you know, that we, we talk to and talk about, uh, you know, being on the master side has a life, has responsibilities, has a career. Um, we don't um, train all the time. We try and fit it in among the different other responsibilities that we have, family, work, you know, outside hobbies and passions. So we get in what we can get in and uh, hope, 
hope it's enough. That well, that the I'm thing is, for. I think again, if you're trying to go to the games, you're an entirely different creature. We're not talking about you. Mm-hmm. We're talking about you know, you want to be the dad at the bus stop that other guys go. What's this guy do for a living? Lift trucks? Like that, that's the dad that you want to be, right? And to be, you can be in the bottom of the open and be that guy. You know, so like, yeah. I mean, as, you know, compared to the regular person, regular person's not oh. doing death by thrust. You're going to a six by 400 meter repeat by a long shot. I mean, it's so the mere fact, let's say you're mediocre at those things. Mm-hmm. You're Conan the Barbarian compared to the regular society. Right. And the fact that you're not stuffing food and Oreos into your face, or you're eating generally clean. If you're eating generally clean, and you're doing thrusters, you're winning. You're yeah. a psychopath compared to regular. Right. You know, I mean, you're amazing. And so you, it doesn't, you don't need a lot of time or a lot of whatever. That's what I think people don't get. It's this whole perfect the enemy of the good, right? I mean, man, if you've got, I mean, no joke, if you've got 30 minutes four times a week mm-hmm. and you control your diet, you will be a beast. You will have no shot of going to the games, but you will be an absolute animal and mm-hmm. way more ferociously fit than you will ever need for regular life. And that's what I think people don't realize. I think they need so much time, so much gear, so much space. Man, if you had 30 minutes, you had a pair of dumbbells tucked in the corner, pull-up bar bolted somewhere in your house, and that's it, and you had some creative yeah. knowledge of strength and conditioning, and that's it for gear, you're good. Dumbbells. And- I was just thinking, I'm thinking about the ferocious beast that walks up to the bus stop that, yeah, that, that, you know, drop off the kid and go do 400 meter sprints because that's what you do. And I think, you know, what you're also talking about is like that, just that becoming the person who has the habit of just doing these things. Yes, making good choices, but developing the habit that of making good choices, being relatively clean. Um, Yeah, I mean, people are Mm -hmm. shocked that I am relatively clean in my eating. I'm not, I'm not strictly clean. Um, and I'm not even diversified in what I eat. I such, I'm in such automatic mode that I eat the same thing every day to the detriment of my family relationships. Um, cause they, in there. yeah, yeah, you know, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, simple. It's, it's, it's really simple. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. Um, but I love what's that guy do pick up a car for a living, um, pick up trucks. Yeah. I wish that would be <laughs> fun. I mean, it, we've. I think we've all had that, it, and it's 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 cool and it's sad. In yes, honesty, right. Because if I am at like the Rogue Invitational or something, and I'm like interviewing athletes and, and I'm talking to athletes, you are not going to mistake me for a competitor. Okay, I am a gray man compared to the they're maniacs. They're the muscle they're carrying. Get outside of that, and then any of us like regular CrossFitters, mm-hmm. you walk through a mall, and now you look like a games athlete. Right. Which, A, that's cool, but it's also just a really sad state of affairs as to just what is actually happening with the with the general population that, you know, uh, uh, a mediocre, unremarkable CrossFitter in every way can be asked, like, wow, like, what do you do? Kind of yeah. fitness what are you doing? You're like, me? Are you kidding me? You should see the people over there. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's, it's all, it's just, um, and uh, you know, we're all you know, broadcasting here from, from America. I mean, our, our, our country is in a very um, rough, uh-huh. rough, rough situation with regards to just chronic disease, body composition, um, activity level, you know, food choices, the whole nine yards. And it, it probably takes, I think it takes a tremendous amount of um, courage and, and discipline and dedication to break out of that cycle, but it doesn't take a lot of time or a lot of gear. That's mm-hmm. yeah. what 
people walk away with. I, I don't mean to ever pick on, on Walmart, but when you walk through a Walmart, that's what I use as an example. And you look around at your fellow folks in Walmart and you wonder, how did we get to where we're at? Did we all look like this years ago? Yeah, and I think a lot of that is driven it's, by, starts with poor food choices. I think it's just easy. It, you know, you grab what's it's easy. It's easy to eat. It's easy. And there's a lot of profoundly smart people with like doctorates in, you know, chemistry and whatnot, making those food choices the perfect amount of salty and Sugar, sweet yep. and texture yep. over and over until it is literally as close to irresistible mm -hmm. as you can possibly get. You know, and that's that's really tough to overcome for a lot of people. I get it. Yep. Yep. That's not what we're. <laughs> but well, to, um, I, I think the. Uh, New, the current CEO of Crossman is, um, I think, forget the number, 30 million people doing, he, he's launched some numbers out there. That's what the goal is. And I, you know, we can, we can stand on the mountaintop and preach the benefits and listen to people like you explain it so succinctly, but I don't know how else you get more people involved. Um, I think there's a switch that has to flip in their mind to say, I want to do this. I want to do what's, uh, you know, uh, right for my long-term health, um, because at some point, it, what we talk about and demonstrate with our uh, actions, it just falls on deaf ears. So yeah, I don't, I don't foresee any mass conversion event. You know what I, I foresee, and I'm, I could be totally wrong. Um, I, I'm not going to be shocked if whatever number it is we get to, mm -hmm. whatever that number happens to be. Right. I mean, marketing's cool, commercials are cool, people tune in, and whatever it happens to be like, that's great. You know, like getting the word out is obviously great, but it's probably going to be um, like we've all been doing it, right? Like you, you get somehow you get a group of people, you yeah. start mm -hmm. to try to positively impact their life to a way that is remarkable, and they cannot, they can't avoid just being in awe of what you have done to them physically right. and not just physically right, but between the ears how they carry themselves confidence relationships the whole nine yards right. but they they tell somebody else and they bring them into you and then they tell somebody else and that's a slow way to do it but it's results driven you know there's no smoke and mirrors there and that's kind of how it's been growing i think almost forever and so maybe there will be a mass conversion event but i i, I find that hard to believe right. i think it's going to be you know all of us kind of just continuing to do what we've been doing hopefully doing it well enough that it spreads yeah and you know the, the community possible. is what makes it special as well uh i mean for all those garage warriors that's because we're doing it for for one reason or another but you know i see in our gym you know the relationships that are formed i mean it's and and a new person shows up because you know three friends are have have brought he or she in and uh, you mm -hmm. know it, it's just been a magic potion that is has worked for a, a number of years and that's what we hope will and, you know i gotta give um bosman credit he said this a couple times and i really like it so i, I steal it you know mm -hmm. and you know he basically says if somebody will say like what's the best program out there you know there's so many programs you know and i've got one as well everyone's got one you know there's, there's there'll be five more tomorrow just it is what it is and the best program is the one that you stick with and i mm -hmm. truly believe that because, I mean, that's what it all comes down to is like so many people start and quit anything, you know, that if you find for whatever reason it is, the particular program, the particular person, the particular ethos, the particular culture, the particular messaging that like it clicks with you and nobody cares if you're still doing it a week later. But if I check in with you and you're doing it a year later and then you're doing it five years later, right? that's the right program for you. Like maybe if you actually had some AI and you could say, actually, this program is undeniably the most 
effective program on the earth and you hate every second of it and you do it for two months and quit, then it doesn't matter. And if this one is, I don't know, the fifth most effective and you know what? You love it and you connect with the people and you feel heard and you show up every day. Bingo. That's, that's, you've got a winner for you. to actually do it for it to work. And so every gym has a different feel. Every program has a different feel. Every person has a different vibe. And there's, regardless of where you are in the spectrum, um, personality-wise or whatever, like there's a there's a home for you. You may have to poke around and bounce around a little bit, but you'll find the place that just fits you like a glove. And then when you do, I don't care what the name on the door says, but like that's where you're supposed stay to be. Stay there. Yeah, stay there. And you will get results. Yeah. Love that. Got to do it. Got to be in it to win it, you know? Well, Pat, dude, this has been so great. Um, Thanks for... Um, coming on with us um, at such short notice, actually. We just finally connected the couple oh, of days ago and made it happen. Um, thank you, Rick, for staying up uh, to way past your bedtime to help yeah, us record no this. Um, you know, we'll, you will you will have paid the, pr- the good price. Um, but uh, we would love to have you on the show again, Pat, uh, in the future. We'll reach out to you again. We're, we're in this for the long haul. We love doing this. Um, and again, we're so appreciative of having you. Where can people find you uh, online? And if they wanted to, to follow you and get to know you a bit more? Uh, they can just, well, first of all, thank you, gentlemen. I genuinely appreciate it. They can go to crossfitlinchpin.com. Okay. That's our Instagram handle as well. It's just mm-hmm. crossfitlinchpin. And then mine, uh, my Instagram is sherwood215. But there's nothing interesting happening there, so everyone knows. <laughs> to just be looking at archived uh, pictures of ice yeah. cream, it's fine. Yeah, gotcha. All right, man. Thanks. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Masters in Motion podcast. We'd be so grateful if you could take a moment to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Your support helps us reach more listeners and grow our Masters community. Until next time, get bolder, not older.